Hey guys, Jeff here from besttechie.com, and this is Techie Bytes episode 41. Today I'm speaking with Alyssa Fleck, managing editor at ICO Ranker, a site dedicated to providing honest, in-depth ICO reviews and analysis. We discuss the current state of ICOs, what to look for when investing, and also spend time talking at length about crime and crypto, including the anatomy of an ICO scam and which celebrities to be wary of. Enjoy. This podcast is supported by Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your own professional website. Choose a template you love or start from scratch, drag and drop to customize anything, and use advanced design features like video backgrounds and image galleries. You can even add professional business solutions like an online store, booking system, or blog. I've personally tested and reviewed Wix on Best Techie and can say without a doubt that Wix is extremely easy to use and a great choice for both novice and advanced users. So go ahead, try it yourself. Go to Wix.com and create your own website today. That's Wix, W-I-X.com. I'm here with Alyssa Fleck, the managing editor at ICO Ranker, a leading ICO blockchain crypto website. They rank all different kinds of ICOs. If you're looking to get into investing in them, you gotta check out ICO Ranker. Alyssa, welcome. Thanks for being here. You're actually the first. I just want to notice this. Uh, note this. You're the first person that we've had in studio for the podcast. Wow, that's so exciting, Jeff. It is exciting. Thank I think. you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. Um, so I, I I always throw out this question because I think it's important to start with, you know, giving the audience an understanding of who you are and what you do. So um, aside from, you know, your managing editor at ICO Ranker, but explain like what that is on a day-to-day basis and a little bit about yourself and how you got into, uh, into this. Um, so I'm uh, an investigative reporter by trade, and I've written about all sorts of things over the years. And um, I used to write a lot about pharma, and I was sort of on the, on the financial side of that. And I've always had an interest in financial writing. So I was brought on board at ICO Ranker uh, by another journalist who acquired this website um, and really wanted to sort of build out the news section and sort of give this website, you know, more a little bit more integrity and a little bit more dimension um, rather than have it just be a website that strictly ranks, you know, ICOs or STOs um, or blockchain projects. So the idea was really to give it a little bit more of a newsy feel and, um, you know, just a little bit, have a little bit more going on. So I was brought on to uh, help sort of develop the news side. So I, so I, so on a daily basis, um, we have a really small team right now. So on a daily basis, I'm doing a lot of just, you know, businessy, like website development and, um, you know, sort of all aspects of, um, the like all aspects of the website, but really I'm primarily writing news, managing freelancers, um, you know, finding freelancers, giving them assignments, and also I'm writing reviews of ICOs and blockchain projects and uh, STOs and you know managing the social media that sort of thing. Gotcha. So so tell so tell me a little bit, who who who's the who's the publisher of the site who who's the guy who bought it tell me a little bit about his background and why. Why he decided to to buy this 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 website in the first place? Yeah, well, so just to back up a little bit, so ICO Ranker is um, was acquired by 
a publicly traded company that's based in Canada called 360 Blockchain. And 360 okay. Blockchain is a company that invests in blockchain technology. And he's, um, you know, a, my boss is an executive on, a, on the board there. And they, you know, they acquire um, websites to add to their portfolio that are, that are in the vein of what they're doing. And so one of the websites they acquired was ICO Ranker. And it, you know, it was a very profitable website when they bought it. Um, it was really, th- it was really there when ICOs were a really big deal like in 2017. We're in 2017. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was hugely profitable, but it was also, um, you know, just, it was run by a couple of guys and it was really a, a sort of pay to play right. kind of thing. Kind of a CD like. Right. So yeah. it's like, so companies would, uh, you know, pay a, a certain fee and have their ICO ranked more highly. And, you know, my, so which my is boss, not great for someone who's looking to invest in an ICO. They want a more kind of, uh, impartial, non-biased kind right. of review on, on, a, on a company that they're right. doing research on that they may right. invest in. Right, and there's so many ICOs out there, and so yeah, so it was not a you know not a super um, honest project, and so so one of the websites that they required or that they acquired at 360 Blockchain was uh, ICO Ranker, and my now boss at ICO Ranker sort of took over that project and um he's uh, his background is in journalism so he's you know been written for the new york times new york magazine you know he's sort of he's written all over the place uh and he's also has a huge interest in crypto so he wanted to kind of merge those interests and have this website where you know it's about it's really about crypto and it's about blockchain but he's bringing in the journalism side and also just the, you know, adding a little more integrity and really looking at um, ICOs in a way that benefits investors rather than is just like about making right, a quick right, buck. Right. Thus where you come in, right? Is right? right. So so you've been a journalist for a while. You mentioned you did a lot of investigative work on the on the financial side of things. Before joining ICO Ranker as managing editor, you were also uh, you also worked at Adweek. How did you get into journalism journalism in the first place? Like what what tickled your fancy in terms of like wanting to be a journalist and, and report on different types of things, especially investigative journalism, which is kind of like a whole different kind of beast in, in journalism, I feel like. Um, you know, there's a whole, it takes a whole nother type of person to really dive into the weeds and like get into the muck and like pull out, you know, juicy tidbits or like things that are happening that shouldn't be. Um, so I've always wanted to be a writer in some, um, in some form or another as long as I could remember. And I was an English major in college. And then I ended up going to grad school and getting an MFA in creative writing and actually specializing in poetry, which was interesting. And I I don't know that I had a long-term plan with that, but poetry, all of these things are really interrelated. Poetry is just a different kind of storytelling. So it's, you know, it was always storytelling and writing and, you know, sort of like, solving puzzles in a way I feel like a lot of what a lot of what I do is sort of um you know putting a bunch of different taking a bunch of information and putting it together and like synthesizing it in a in a certain way um and so actually when I was in grad school for creative writing I was TAing a class in political journalism that was um the professor was 
his name was, oh gosh, what was his name? Sam Tannenhaus. He was the former New York Times book review editor. So I was teaching this class and I didn't know a ton about journalism, but I just got really into it. And, you know, when I left grad school, I started right away, this was 2012, working at a local newspaper and just, you know, really got into um, into that. And then it, just in terms of what's out there for reporters in New York City who actually want to survive and, like, m- make some amount of money. Right, and consider, um, considering there were just massive layoffs at BuzzFeed today, mm-hmm. into next week also, they're, they're still laying off people. Uh, Verizon Media Group, which was formerly Oath, and also uh, including HuffPo, uh, and uh, there was one other uh, institution, journalism institution, I forgot. But those are like the big ones mm-hmm. um, that laid off literally hundreds of people today, which is terrible. Um, but this, but well, going back to what you were saying. Yeah. Well, so uh, what I kind of realized quickly, and I did a variety of things, you know, freelancing, working in a newsroom full time. What I realized was the really the way to. Um, survive in the industry is to work at you know a b2b trade publication Mm -hmm. and something that has a paywall and something where you know there's subscribers and so really my first real journalism job was at uh, a publication called biofarm insight which was uh, previously an offshoot of merger market which was previously part of the financial times so um this was very it was it was investigative reporting but it was very focused and again it was really aimed at investors so you know going out and finding information about drugs that are coming to market you know whether now or in the future and clinical trials and sort of looking you know from a competitive angle you know which is reporting but it wasn't what I wanted to do forever I didn't always want to be um, you know writing to investors and I'm still doing that now but there's also a lot more freedom now and right in the current in the current job role you have more freedom and also Mm -hmm. Also, I guess it's a, the the crypto market's still in the early stages. Right. So there's a lot of kind of room for growth that you know potentially uh, in yeah. this particular. And role. there's a few established publications where people are writing about crypto right now or writing about blockchain, like you know the Block Breaker, uh-huh. um, uh, Coin cryptocurrency news. Yeah. Like Bitcoin. So there's a few of those, but like in many ways it's kind of uncharted territory. So it's really interesting from the journalist perspective uh, that there's just so much out there that you can explore and write about. Right. So, I mean, I think I think crypto is such an interesting kind of technology that just is like, it's we're like in the, like I mentioned before, we're in the early days of crypto. And I feel like to me, we're like in the wild, wild west kind of phase of it. We're like, there's a lot of bluster there's a lot of people going out there saying we can do this, you know, with the block blockchain technology. We can build this, and we're gonna do an ICO. We're gonna raise all this money, millions and millions of dollars, and then they don't have much to show for it, right? For example, like um, Filecoin. I mean, they're saying they're gonna have some, a product now mid 2019 sometime, but they raised a crap ton of money, and there's nothing to show for it yet. There's there's been other obviously. Um, other other issues with uh, ICOs that have come out, uh, you know, with scams and things like that. There's, there I think there was a report somewhere, eighty percent of ICOs in, in twenty seventeen were scams, mm-hmm. um, which really sucks from a an investor point of view, but also from a technology point of view because you have you have all these great ideas for how to utilize the blockchain, 
but none of them are really coming to fruition, at least yet. Yeah. So I'm, cur- I'm curious, do you agree with the, my analysis here, or like, I'm, am I way off base in terms of what I mean, you're seeing on a day-to-day basis? I think it's funny that you say that because there's sort of this meme, um, like a meme template that goes around in the crypto community, and it's that template of like expectation versus reality. <laughs> And so, like, something that's really funny to people is to talk about, like, the the ICO expectation based on a company's white paper versus, like, the actual product that they deliver and just the huge disparity Mm -hmm. between the two. Um, So, in in some respects, and, like, the market is just so saturated with people trying to launch these ICOs right now. Right. Yeah, now. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And so, in some respects, yes, that's, I think that's absolutely true. It's... Uh, it's a little hard for me to like step back and look at it because I'm so entrenched in it and Mm -hmm. I see so much happening, but I think it's not, it's not exactly in the way that people expect. Like, um, you know, there are currencies out there that are being traded. There are tokens going onto exchanges. There are decentralized platforms, um, that exist and, you know, more, you know, and there's major companies, huge banks talking about getting into crypto, and there's so much, uh, you know, in terms of like the SEC, there's, you know, all these people looking at legislation around this. So it's definitely here and, you know, it's coming, but in so many, in terms of like people are really looking for a tangible product to be like, you know, this, this is the blockchain, this, and it's, that's not, really what it is right yeah i think i think i mean it's not there yet but i think the problem is if you think about if okay let's just look at the stats that we just that i just laid out before seven eighty percent of all icos in 2017 were uh scams according to this report um that means 20 percent are legit and if we think about it from a perspective of 90 percent of all startups fail that's the, the people, I mean, that's the risk when you take it when you when you make a bet on an ICO, right? You're investing. It's like investing in a stock. I mean, it's similar in that nature. You're making a bet that this company is going to do something and grow, and the stock price is going to appreciate, or you're going to uh, get dividends or something. If but if if you know how many of these companies are actually going to end up making it, um, or by um, actually coming out with a, a real product. The answer, I think, if you look at those numbers, is it's kind of it's minuscule. But I think that's the case with any, I you know, the more I'm talking about it now, the more I'm thinking that's the case with like pretty much any investment in any startup, right? Uh, all these VCs, they're they invest in a lot. They have a they have a, a thesis that they invest by most of the time, but they're just looking for one or two out of that, uh, that out of that round of funding that they've raised to that they're investing in to kind of break out and you know to have unicorn status. I just worry that with with small time investors, you know, individuals who are investing in these ICOs, that you know they don't have the same amount of capital to deploy, and you know it could could financially ruin some people. But I mean, right. they have to be, you have to just have to be careful about that when you're investing. Yeah, in these I mean, it's the same, right? It's the same thing, like you said, with any new venture. Like, there's a certain amount of risk, and you always have to be a smart investor. And a smart investor knows this is really risky, and you know, this is sort of a little bit further down the line of, than what we're talking about, but there's all this stuff going on with the SEC and the, and you know, whether, um, you know, ICOs, um, whether an ICE, like a uh, initial coin offering can be considered 
um, a security or whether, you know, and, and how it should be regulated and sort of how, you know, people should be taken care of in that regard. And really, it seems that this is all, we're all moving toward um, uh, security token offerings. So basically the idea that these would be able to be things that would be a lot more regulated and would be considered securities. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of contention. About right, because if you, if you could at least, you know, wean out all of these scams, mm-hmm. you know, make it much harder to scam people, then I feel like it's, then, then people who are investing are much have a much higher likelihood already of seeing success. I mean, just because you're they're they're not that's because you're taking out the 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 chance, the possibility that they're investing in a scam. Just by removing that element of it, you know, you're already you're already uh, improving the odds of kind of seeing right. some kind of benefit. Well, and you're just and just by adding in regulation, you're yeah. taking away the risk. But also, you know, on the on the you're talking about, you know, smaller investors, you know, non-institutional investors who maybe just want to put in you know, they want to invest in this technology, but they don't want to be screwed over and they don't really know what's going on. I mean, in that regard, the securities, um, security token offering is a, you know, might be a better route because it is better regulated and also it gives people an opportunity to maybe get in on something they otherwise wouldn't be able to afford, mm-hmm. you know, like investing in real estate where, uh, where it's sort of broken down and they don't, you know, they can just invest in part of it, and so there the crypto sort of stands in for this other security. So in a lot of regards, that could be, you know, a really good investment. So when you're looking to, you know, potentially invest, you've, you've obviously read countless white papers at this point. What what should someone be looking for? Like, what, what, what screams, like, this is not a good idea to invest in? And what also, what also is like, Oh, this is a unique kind of proposition, value proposition that that could that that that's that that may be worth investing in. Yeah. Well, I think to start with having a white paper in the first place. And that seems, you know, kind of like a ridiculous thing to say, but uh-huh. you know, a lot of projects don't have a white paper or they refer to a white paper, but it's always, you know, some, you know, they're always tinkering with it and so it's not like the white paper needs to be the first thing and it needs to be it needs to really be backed up. So, you know, the first thing is, is a white paper and like the white paper just, you know, um, you just, you start reading it. It should be like coherent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and probably have sources to back up their mm-hmm. claims, right? Yeah. If they say 80% of the world you know, is going to need this in by 2030, right. then have a, have a couple studies to back that up. Right, and also white papers can be super generic. So it shouldn't, you know, a white paper could look really good, but you go and you read it and you're like, this doesn't necessarily apply. Like, they'll, they'll often put in mathematical equations to make it look sort of complicated uh, to, you know, describe how, how this works on the blockchain and like this and that and algorithms. And it's like that can look really smart, but it also can be just super generic information that they literally copy and paste it from somewhere else. So it really needs to be, all the language and everything needs to be really specific to the project that they're referring to. Um, I think a roadmap that makes sense and um, sort of has all the information, but in terms of the timeline makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. is another thing you want to look at. Like, is this feasible to do in mm-hmm. this? And and I think that's where it comes in. As an individual investor, you need to have some kind of expertise or knowledge about the space uh, that this company is going to be operating in right. in order to make an informed 
a well you know a well informed decision because if you, like you're saying looking at the t- the roadmap or the timeline you if you don't know anything about this space that they're going to be operating then you have no way of kind of judging that right right and and that sort of brings me to another important thing which is the team and the team is usually uh, usually you can see who the team is in the white paper and you want team member you don't want to look at the team and have it be 10 people with qualifications you've never heard of mm-hmm. and I mean it you know you, now there's a way to really dig into people's um, professional history you should be able to find people I mean uh, it's I don't love LinkedIn so it's sort of unfortunate <laughs> to have to say this but in this space everyone has a LinkedIn and you should be able to go back and look at their job history and you know that they've worked that they've had relevant um, work and and also that there's people on the team for all different aspects. You know, there's someone, there's like a developer and there's this and that. And it's because a lot of these projects you see and it's just like five people and you have no idea what their history is. And, you know, they're just, so being able to, you know, someone who has a reputation to uphold, I think is, is a really important thing to look at. And and the next thing we're going to talk about which I want, I want, which is going to be, you know, crime and crypto, which is something that I know you have a real interest and passion uh, for for crime. Um, you know, both of us could sit here and watch Investigation Discovery all day. And I think in the crypto world, there's obviously we talked about scams, but there's also real crimes being committed in addition to these scams. Um, and one of the things that I've noticed, and I know you've written about this a bit, I believe with uh, when you wrote about uh, that box of data uh, on the ICO Ranker website, the, uh, one of the things they were um, using pictures and people's names um, that that work other places that have nothing to do with uh, box of data, the IC, the ICO company. Um, talk, tell us a little bit about that. Like how. I guess that kind of goes to what you were saying, where you have to be careful with what, you know, when you're doing these investments, but also looking at the team, I think doing a reverse image search on people's pictures on these, on these, on these, uh, on these, uh, ICO websites should be number one for many people. Anyone who's on the team, reverse image search them and see if they come up on LinkedIn or somewhere else. Yeah. Or even reach out to them. Like it doesn't, like some of it is so simple and it really doesn't have to be anything crazy because um, with box of data and people can read about the scam on our website and sort of what we did to figure out that it was a scam but um, with that I mean it really looked legit because they really capitalized on people not really knowing what's going on you know in, in the space and so they really took advantage of that because they really just took all the information that another company put out there changed the name and directed people to their own token sale mm-hmm. so and even the people that they selected on their team, one of them worked for like Box or something. Right. So like it seemed like oh maybe that maybe they're related. Yeah, and you know, that's really sneaky. Right. So they're all sort of adjacent seeming, and you know I when I was looking into this and thinking like this doesn't really add up, I was um, looking at these people on LinkedIn, and then I was reaching out to them and saying, hey, your image is attached to this project. Like, are you a part of this project? Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is people are so used to being spammed constantly on LinkedIn now that people thought I was spamming them. Like they didn't, they wouldn't respond or they'd be, you know, they think that I was, um, 
running some kind of scam and I was just you know trying to tell them hey this isn't <laughs> hey just so you know you're being but I don't the picture and name are being associated everyone, with everyone out there is like trying to is like trying to gain something so I, it's I think people are not used to a journalist being like hey I uncovered this scam and I want to like people are really right. skeptical of that I, I, I also think, uh, in addition to the team, I, w- I would throw out there, like, look at the advisors and the inv- uh, the already existing investors, mm-hmm. uh, and, and make sure, and, like, oftentimes, a lot of these investors who invest in these crypto companies will list every single one on their LinkedIn, so if they're not listing this particular one, that's a red flag. Yeah. Um, Another thing is to just look at websites like ours, I see it right Right. But also, <laughs> but there's a number of websites out there, so, you know, make sure, because... You know, another big name in the space is ICO Bench. ICO Bench has scams up on its website, so you don't you don't just go to one ranking site. Like, yeah. make sure you can find it on a few sites that are you know not also right, scams. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and 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 probably you know as as is the case when you're shopping for something on uh, online, you do comparison shopping, right? Everyone does that now because it's so easy to do. With ICOs, if you're looking for reviews, you should probably read a few different websites' reviews just to kind of get. Uh, a field just you know all right these people say this about it you guys ICO ranker says this ICO bench says this the, uh, the block says this all right well yeah. if I kind of like like you were saying before synthesize all those data all those data points all right this seems like it's legit maybe yeah I mean I think where we're unique right now is we're really trying to be honest and not like people can pay to be on our front page but mm-hmm. we're going to be honest about what we think about that ICO and we're not going to let them them write it. Right, that's important. Yeah. So, one of the other one of the other uh crimes that I uh saw uh, uh in one of your articles was this this uh this this uh ICO called a Rise Bank. Um which was kind of a different kind of scam. Kind of walk us through what happened with that. Like ha- and I, let's start with that. Walk us through what happened with this scam. Yeah, well, so with a Rise Bank, um, and there's so many different small variants to this stuff that's going on in general, and I think there's people purposefully running fraudulent ICOs, and I think there's people who just don't, who just kind of got in over their head, Uh and that's not necessarily what happened here, but um, basically, this was a situation where um, two men founded uh, this company, and they launched this ICO, and essentially, they just really overpromised what they had, you know, what the they had to show for it. The classic overpromise, underdeliver. Right, which was <laughs> they, they really didn't have anything to show for it. And they'd, you know, they'd alleged that they bought this bank. They had alleged that they had a deal with, I believe it was Visa. And, like, none of that was was true. And they, you know, they just... And they were using, it, they were using those facts to raise money. Right, yeah. yeah. And um, they were doing, I mean, they were doing a number of... Um, uh, questionable, legally questionable things, and ultimately, uh, I think they were all, they also lied about how much money they'd actually raised. I'm not mm-hmm. entire, entirely sure what happened there. It, it turned out one of them, you know, actually has like a long history of criminal conduct. So even just the amount of research to look into that person would sort of indicate to you, oh, this is kind of like a Shady. sketchy investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, so they got, they did get in trouble for that. They ended up settling um, with the SEC, and I'm trying to remember exactly what the judgment was. I know that they ended up having to pay back um, 
uh, I think it was like 2.7 million, I want to say, but that, but, you know, they said they'd raised a certain amount, they settled for a certain amount, but the reality is we don't actually know how much they raised, and that's another thing with crypto is, right. it is, a lot of it you can trace on this open ledger, but a lot of it you can also hide. There are ways to hide it. There's privacy coins, you can move things like onto an exchange, um, and there's, I mean, there's all kinds of ways. Right, which which is kind of trouble troubling in my opinion. I mean, like if, if someone if if a company if if I started a company like these guys did, but it wasn't it wasn't I didn't do an ICO. I just raised money from uh, some some way, and I put all the money in the bank, like a, like a, like a Bank of America or something. The Feds would be able to seize that that money and give it back to the investors. Mm-hmm. Whereas with crypto, what these guys did potentially, they raised the boatload of money they claim they only raised this much and they could have moved every all all the rest of the money that they raised into what you're calling privacy coins right mm-hmm. which don't have public ledgers right and so theoretically they could be like this is how much we raised here it is you know could do jail time come back out and like and they still have this nest that egg. Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so that that's that's really kind of concerning and, and worrying uh, in order, and I'm wondering if you have, if you've heard anything or you've been or read anything or about this, where will the SEC ever say if you do if you raise money via an ICO, you cannot convert that money into a privacy coin? Is that like is that a legitimate like um, kind of thought process, or is that is that something that I think is possible? The SEC is definitely trying to do that. They're trying to put in as many regulations as possible, and that's why they're trying to, you know sort of come out with this language and delineate what's a security and what's not. And, like, they would love to, I think, you know, regulate all this stuff like fiat currency. But the question is, like, the thing is it's not fiat currency. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the question is, is it a good or, you know, but, um, but the thing is, you know, the government doesn't control here. The government doesn't control the Internet. And so as, as long as... There, the government is trying to put down these regulations. There's going to be people out there, you know, figuring out the next thing. One step thing. ahead, and yeah. so it's they. I really, you know, blockchain really can't issues. be right. Like it yeah. really can't be regulated like that. It, to be truly decentralized, which is yeah. the whole point of it, um, it really can't be regulated in the same way. Right. Which is why a lot of these big time investors and um, and crypto enthusiasts are all about self-regulation, right? And th- and that's what something uh, Facebook was recently talking about when they when Zuckerberg was in front of Congress. So he he's all for regulation, but it, he's more about self-regulation as opposed. Um, Which is a nice idea, but as <laughs> but we can in see, theory, it doesn't always work well, out I, that way. And as we can see, you know, when people are sort of allowed to run rampant, like there's. You know, there's gonna there are be bad people, people in this world. There's going to be what what is it called white hacker white white hat, hat hackers. hackers. Yeah. There's going to be white hat hackers, and then there's going to be you know which we've seen a lot of, and it's it's also really hard to know people's you know intentions, and also the, all of this so much of this is so anonymous, and when people are anonymous, you know they'll just look at the comment section on YouTube. When people are anonymous, they'll do all kinds of crazy things. True. I mean, like, the way I'm thinking about it, if I were to, I haven't invested in any ICOs personally, but if I were to, I would want to make sure that the people on the team, for me, it's all about the team, right? Because if, if they have, if they've already established a reputation, like, it outside of crypto or whatever, um, that sends more of a signal to me that these people have more to lose. You but know you also I mean? don't have any 
guarantee that they know anything about crypto. Well, if, let's say they've been in the technology. Let's say they worked for Google. Let's say they worked for Airbnb. Let's or any company that's you know prominent company. They have a background. Yeah. They're 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 uh, they were you know managing teams of people at these company at these companies. They're not gonna stake. I, I would hope not. I I don't think they would. But I guess some could. But that's <laughs> which is unfortunate. But 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 the point is that they wouldn't stake their entire reputation they built up over years um if they said i want to build a crypto based company a block you know, build something on the blockchain raise money through an ico if they have that pedigree it, I, I mean to me personally it just seems like it stands for a lot more than random guy out of university random woman out of university who you know kind of uh you know if, if you're you know, go go raise money through uh, through institutional investors at that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, and I think that it's really smart. It definitely is really smart to look at the team. But I think another thing you have to think about is, uh, you know, and this is obviously a, a matter of opinion, but for a lot of investors in the tech space, I think they think, oh, I need to be investing in blockchain, or I need to be investing in crypto, or I look you know, like a dinosaur. Or it's the if, FOMO. Right. If you're or, missing out. you know, a Luddite. You know, someone who's, like, resistant to, to technology. So, you know, even if they don't necessarily want to be invested in the space, that's just the way things are moving. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you do need, you need to do your due diligence. I think you need to look at the team, but the team shouldn't be the only thing. Like, I think one of the most important things with an ICO is, like, an ICO needs to justify itself. So, why is this something that needs why do they need the money why do they need like what good like why do they need a token why can't this be you know just done with what we already have and right that's that's always my question yeah why why does it have to be a token why can't you just build something on the blockchain to build something on the blockchain why do you have to create a token out of it I think that's a really good question. I think so many. I think so many people cannot justify why they need a token, and that's why so many of them fail. And I think, uh, and to me, it's also because, and to me, the way I look at it is, the more tokens, they, it's a, there are so many tokens out there now. Like, what's the likelihood that they're that the one you invested in is going to be valuable? Well, it's, it's very I, I mean, small, but yeah. but it's also, I mean, what did it really? I mean, the purpose of the token is this is a way that people can build can raise the money to build something that's super risky without having to guarantee to the investors that they have any kind of stake in it. Mm -hmm. So it really is people taking a huge leap of faith on the company with the company and saying, all right, I trust you with my money that, you know, I'm not going to necessarily get anything back. I can participate in this ecosystem and maybe the token will be worth something someday. But really, it's like I think that this project cool. has a chance, right? It, it's it's yeah. and in the same way, it's very similar to like a Kickstarter or yeah, Indiegogo, it's yeah. right? Because because there's no guarantee just because something is on Kickstarter that that's going to actually get made, right? I've been lucky. I mean, I, I haven't invested or not invested, but paid or uh, pledged um, that, that many Kickstarter campaigns. I think I've maybe done two or three, and I've gotten um, the product in all of them. But it took a really long time, like yeah. longer than they anticipated on uh, in the Kickstarter campaign, mm -hmm. longer than I ever anticipated. Some of them I even seeing. forgot about, and then they just showed up one day. I was like, "What is this?" That's what we're seeing with the ICOs too. Is like based on the market conditions right now, everyone who had an idea to launch an ICO, everyone's pushing them back like into the summer of twenty nineteen. Yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely like crowdfunding the way we know it now. It's the idea that this thing might fail. You know, you definitely should not be, um, you know, putting any money that you really need mm-hmm. into, you know, it should be very much expendable. The only, the only difference that I can think of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but is the only, the only difference that I can think of is that with a, with a, with a Kickstarter or Indiegogo, if, unless they meet their, um, minimum requirement that they set on the site, they don't get the money. Right. Whereas with a crap, with a, uh, a, uh, uh, raising money through an ICO, basically they, they keep that money. Um, not, oh, uh, I would have to check on, I'm not okay. sure, but they, no, there's definitely, a lot of them will give the money back. If, if they, they don't, don't reach the certain threshold. And I believe, it's not even giving the money back because it's held in a smart contract. Right, so okay. I think if they don't, it's like, for, 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 don't and if you're not aware what a smart, or smart contract, it's like, it's basically like holding an, an escrow. escrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the majority of them will say, oh, if we don't reach our soft cap, okay. we'll, we'll give the money back. Um, and then... You know, so there, so that, that that's another thing to look at is the token sale itself. If that's feasible, like how much, like the hard cap, the soft cap, if those seem feasible, but also the, the allocation, like how they, how many tokens they're reserving for the team, how many they're willing to give away to people, and then how they want to use the money once it's raised, like all that is really good to look at too. You know, obviously it might just sort of... Be right, do they really need this much money to do X? And do, do the, does the team really need, like, 20% of the mm-hmm. of the shared right. tokens? Right, right. Keep in mind, most VC funds, when they raise money, they have a management fee, right, of, like, 2%, though. They take 2% off the top of just to manage the fund, and they, they deploy the rest of the capital. Why should, it, why should a crypto team get 20%, essentially? Right. Yeah. Um, it seems like a lot, right? Um... So, last thing I want to talk about before we get to the lightning round is so not not only have these scams kind of run rampant, uh, you know, in the early days of crypto, I, I it seems to be getting a bit better now. Things are there are definitely SECs kind of stepping in, and and there are there are more regulations in place. People are smarter about what what to look for these days. Um, but that didn't stop celebrities from getting involved in this whole process, including. Yeah, I have a list here from from uh, from your site: Paris Hilton, Floyd Mayweather, DJ Khaled, Steven Seagal, Mike Tyson, Akon, who I haven't heard from in a million years, <laughs> Red Foo, like is he even relevant anymore from LMFAO, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Ashton, Ashton Kutcher, all were involved in some kind of ICO. Now it didn't all work out for each one of them. Um, tell us a little bit about like how how that played out for each one of these guys and. Um, are, do you think, uh, and I guess we, the, the second part of the question is, do you think that they're interested in, 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 in this technology, or is it more about making quick buck for some of them? Uh, well, it's interesting that you mentioned Acon because the last I heard, Acon was developing the Acoin, because, and that was going to be the currency of sort of like this um, uh, utopia kind of that he was planning to build in Africa. And I, okay. last I heard, that was cut, still going to happen. That happens in Marvel, by the way. Really? That's um, where Black Panther lives. Oh, well. Wakanda. I, That's like the mecca of like the I'm world. I'm afraid to say that I have not <laughs> seen it yet, but I'm sure he at least drew some inspiration from that. He probably did. Um, so basically, you know, this was something that was definitely happening more in 2017, and um, Mayweather and DJ Khaled recently got in trouble for this because they were sort of, you know, they came to the game sort of late, but <clears throat> basically what 
all of these celebrities were getting in trouble for is they were, um, well, at least uh, Paris Hilton and I, and same with uh, Floyd Mayweather and DJ Khaled is they were uh, endorsing an ICO but not disclosing that they were getting paid to do it. So that was the the problem there. And, That's certainly a problem. Right, and they ended up, you know, getting fined for that and, you know, something like, oh, you're not allowed to endorse anything or be involved in with securities for X amount of time. So I think, you know, for them, it was sort of, it was a quick buck. It was sort of like a flash in the pan thing. You know, this is a cool thing to attach my name to. Um, and, you know, the SEC really, you know, showed them what's up. <laughs> so you would think that, that people like Floyd Mayweather and DJ Khaled would be a little bit smarter than that. Like, to to realize that, they would. They, they're so high profile that they would get caught. <laughs> I mean, I think it's it's the same as it is with anyone. Like people get caught up in the excitement of it and the fact that it seems unregulated, and then they get reminded that, like, the law still exists. You're still yeah. beholden to, you know, the SEC and and these rules that exist. So, you know, I think hopefully celebrities have gotten wiser to that. Um, I I assume that. The Floyd Mayweather, DJ Khaled thing will probably be the last for a while that we'll hear about. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, out of all these people um, that we just listed, I think Ashton Kutcher is probably the only one that I legitimately believe has an interest in the technology, only because he started a a venture fund uh, before this whole thing, and he's been investing in tech for a long time. Um, And I think his, I mean, at least from what I've read, his intentions are... More charitable, at least, or at least that's how it's presented. Okay. Which is, you know, I I guess the same thing with Acon, but I'm not sure how promising the Acoin sounds. I, I'm just worried that Acon's been out of the picture for so long in like public in the public square that like he's just right. using this to, like it's a get some attention, but yeah. also maybe like to steal from people. <laughs> but I could just be really cynical. <laughs> anyway, it's hard to know. Let's 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 uh let's get to the lightning round, which of course is supported by Wix. You can create a professional website today at Wix.com. That's W-I-X.com. So whenever you're ready, Alyssa, you let me know and we'll get started. I'm ready. All right. If animals could talk, which one would be the most annoying? Um, am I supposed to go really fast? It doesn't have to be really fast, but whatever speed's comfortable for you. <laughs> what would be the most annoying? First one that comes to your head. Like, probably a monkey. Okay, I could work with that. What word do you always misspell? Oh, well, I'm a very good speller, but... It's gotta be one. Cincinnati is confusing, because why does it only have one T at the end? I don't even know how to spell Cincinnati. It only has one T at the end. If someone narrated your life, who would you want to be the narrator? can't remember what her name is but she's the host of the podcast caliphate by the new york times she's i believe she's eastern european and she has like the most amazing voice we'll have to look that up i have heard the podcast but i don't know i don't know who the host is would you ever fly to the moon or another planet things would have to have gotten really desperate (laughs) that's a good answer all right last one What's your favorite crime show? Uh, probably Dateline. Dateline's a classic. Dateline? Can't go wrong with Dateline. Well, Alyssa, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. It's if been it, okay. It's been okay? <laughs> if anyone wants to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? 
Um, they can reach me at Alyssa, A-L-I-S-S-A, at icoranker.com, or um, hit me up on Twitter, which is just Alyssa Fleck. Thanks for listening to Techie Bites. Stay tuned for more episodes every Tuesday with awesome interviews and conversations about technology and business. If you like what we're doing, please consider supporting the podcast at anchor.fm slash besttechie and or by leaving a rating and review on iTunes. Both ways help us greatly and are much appreciated. So thank you. Until next time, we'll see you. And remember, remember, take care of your computers.